it's it's led me to one of my strongest beliefs that health is internal because I was a picture perfect, you know, uh, or a perfect picture of health on the outside. Um, it's, you know, my journey is a weight loss journey. Like it, it, everything was inside and it took that crash to look inside my brain. So that's also why I'm a big advocate of getting, you know, imaging done. If you, you know, you think you have an issue, but your doctor is not, um, you know, working with you. Like I was paying for health insurance and I was asking for something I thought I needed. I wasn't, and we have this opioid epidemic that we talk about yet. They were feeding them to me like candy, but I didn't take them because they make me throw up. It's just, yeah, health's internal. That's what, one of my biggest messages I try to share. It's not about what you look like or what the numbers on the paper or the scale show. It's really what's going on inside. That's Josh Perry. And I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. I've got such a cool episode today. It's deep and awesome at the same time. I guess you can have those two things pretty easily. My guest is Josh Perry. He was one of the top BMX riders for a number of years. Um, it's cool for me. Like I grew up a child of the 80s, and BMX was a really big deal. Now, he's he's younger than I am, so I don't think he um, he had quite the same experience that I had. And, of course, he was the one riding, not sitting at home watching on TV. But BMX was just such a such like – it was the cool thing. It was like BMX and breakdancing. Those were two of the coolest things around at least in my life. And and then I get to talk to this world-famous BMX athlete. And the way that it happened was I had posted a quote from Buddha on Instagram. And I don't know how we saw it, but Josh Perry commented on it. And I saw the comment and he was talking about an, another book that I've since picked up. And uh, we talk about it in the interview as well. But we just started going back and forth and talking. I'm like, I'm talking to a famous athlete. Like, that's pretty cool. Maybe you don't know who who he is. Maybe you don't follow the world of action sports or BMX. That's totally fine. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, yeah, I totally knew who he was. I don't. Um, Or I didn't. I certainly do now. But he's not currently riding at that level. He's not currently competing because of the basis of why he was on the show. He didn't just have him on because, you know, he's this famous athlete and does really cool stuff and he challenges himself and he's really inspiring and motivating because of the athletic side of his life. I had him on because of the reason why he's not still doing that. So Josh has a story of having repeated brain tumors and they... Well, they nearly ended his career, but in a sense, they did end his career as a professional competitive BMX rider, but not because he let them. He chose to do it because he's on a different path, and that's what we really get into. He went from, I could certainly say he had a life of purpose, but he talks about, are you on self or on purpose? And there is nothing more on purpose than what this guy is doing today. So he has found a path to wellness He is a firm believer in the ketogenic diet specifically for brain health, and he's trying to help other people discover that too. And and he's not, you know, like militantly keto. He's just found the benefits of it, but he's for the idea of being mindful with your health practice, with how you eat, how you live, and the benefits that that can bring to you. And um, I just, I find Josh to be such an incredible human being. He's, I mean, he's a great guy first and foremost, his message, the way he delivers it. Love it. 
He's, he's a great, great human being. There's really no other way to describe him than that. Josh shared a lot of wisdom. It's not often that I struggle with which quote or which uh, clip to use in the intro, but I had like four or five of them with Josh. I'm like, oh, but this one's, but no, this one's great. I just couldn't decide. So <laughs> you got to listen to the whole thing so you can get all of the gems. He's a great person great inspiration, really kind soul. And I'm so blessed to have Josh in my life um, and to be able to share him with you. So I don't want to belabor this anymore. Let's jump right into the interview with Josh Perry and take some inspiration, take some kindness, take some positivity and live your life on purpose. Hey, Joshua Perry, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, man, uh, Brian, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity and you taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah. So speaking of time, I made this whole thing when we first connected about like just calling you Josh to save time. And then I just called you Joshua. And now I've explained <laughs> it. So I'm eating up even more valuable time oh, from, uh, from the meat. So, <laughs> cool. That is not, none of that is what this, this interview is going to be about. Um, so people got to hear a little bit in the intro of your story, but there's nothing like hearing it firsthand. So can you just give us like a, a quick of uh, where you're at today? And then we'll start to dig through the path to get to get to where you are. Okay. Uh, so I'm currently taking, I've taken a step or I've taken a step back from BMX competition to fulfill my purpose of helping others, um, with my experiences and what I've learned along the way. I just, I want people to ultimately, uh, be the healthiest, happiest, and most successful version of themselves without suffering as I did in my past to kind of get to where I am today. So I'm no longer competing in BMX. I'm solely focusing on, um, you know, sharing my story with, you know, podcasts like this public speaking is new for me this year. Yeah. And then, uh, doing the health coaching and just anything. I can do to you know social media just sharing and um, doing all that with four brain tumors today and um, just kind of developing this uh, perspective each and every day to um, you know just look at the glass half full rather than empty yeah uh, there's there's so much obviously that we need to pick apart in that one <laughs> of the things that strikes me pretty strongly without going into the the brain tumor piece of the story yet which obviously is, is huge you did something that Usually the, the story doesn't work out quite like this, where you left like pure pursuing your passion and your dreams kind of world to pursue a different kind of passion and dreams. Mm -hmm. Usually when people make that, like I gave up on my past life and this is what I'm doing now, it's like, that was fine, but not really who I am. You, you were, I mean, like, you know, reading a bit of your backstory, you were pursuing your dreams from, mm -hmm. was it like three years old on a, on a big wheel, like on your driveway, <laughs> like you were all about the BMX stuff and you walked away from that dream because you saw something new that to me is so unique that usually people aren't already living their passion. Um, which I gotta say makes that so much harder to walk away from because you loved what you were doing, right? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it, it definitely was like a rough transition, even though I set out to, you know, willingly change my path. Uh, there was that identity crisis. You know, I've been riding BMX like more than half of my life and wow. about half of my life professionally um, or almost professionally, almost half my life professionally. And so there was like this piece of like, who am I if I'm yeah. not the BMX rider anymore? And even my you know website, social media, everything is Josh Perry BMX. Yeah. Josh Perry's taken up, so I'm going to have to figure out how to get that name back one one of these days. But uh, yeah, it's just it was an interesting transition. But what's helped me is a friend of mine. Um, his name's Isaac, and he told me this this cool quote that a boss asked him one day at some sales job he had a while ago. He's like, "Hey, Isaac, are you on self or are you on purpose today?" And oh. then just like that, like that simple, you know, four words, like off self on purpose. It just 
it, it's what helps me every day is I'm fulfilling my purpose. And that's ultimately what led me to taking a step back from competition. And I mean, BMX really in general, like it's still something I love to do, but yeah. I ultimately want to have an impact on other people's lives. So you still ride around, you're just not competing or are you totally yeah. off the bike? No, I still ride. Yeah, I still ride the same level. Um, I would it would take a little bit of condition work to uh, get back to competition level, you know, and endurance wise, sure. because I'm not really riding five, six days a week, you know, I'm riding maybe anywhere from one to three days a week right now, or just the other things I have and trips and stuff like that. Yeah. I actually, two days ago, rode for the first time in two weeks, because I had some trip and then, you know, family in town and jet lag and this yeah. and that. So yeah, I, I ride, you know, because I love it. And I ride the same level, because I love that feeling. Right. Um, I'm not really trying to progress right now, but I want to maintain that. Yeah. That keeps me happy. Well, so that's cool. So you're still in touch with it. It's just using it in, in a different way. It's about the joy of it. And that's not your career anymore. Yeah, so 100%. Yeah. And it's like that vehicle that got me to where I am today. So there's nothing but love and gratitude for it. It's taught me so much about life that I think goes, um, you know, people overlook that aspect of action sports and just sports in general. But um, it's it's also it helps me kind of get in the door of different opportunities because it's a part of my story. And yeah. I've been able to create a name for myself because of it. So um, yeah, there's nothing but love for it. I, I don't resent it or anything like that. I just, yeah. uh, you know, it's not a priority anymore. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> 17, when I was 17, I would have never expected this to be a thing when people told me that I'm like, yeah, see. Well, I was going to say, could you have expected to have reached the heights that you reached? But you probably could because you seemed like you were going to make it happen no matter what. And you had all that. I mean, I'm sure there were moments of doubt, but you had a lot of confidence and uh, and passion in it. So you, you probably would have believed where it got to. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've gotten to more. Uh, I've seen parts of the world I never thought I would. I've done more with it than my my dream was just to be a professional BMX athlete competing. Yeah. I never knew that I would go to like Saudi Arabia or Iraq to perform for the troops or yeah. you know, different things like that. But also, I never imagined that BMX would save my life in the way it did. So, um, yeah, it's just there's there's so much. I mean, that's go with any dream or goal. We if we you know take action and believe in it and keep you know getting up and trying again the amount of success is almost like unfathomable once we reach that point where we're like man i started out with this dream and then like yeah. i achieved more than i thought was possible all right you, you just said bmx saved your life and usually comments like that are like you know i was down and out on drugs and i found this sport and it you know turned me around or i met these people who are so positive you mean that pretty um pretty literally yeah so take us <laughs> So we're going to get into the to the brain tumor story now. So tell me tell me about how BMX saved your life. So it was uh, March 2010. I was training um, just a normal day, doing a trick in the foam pit ten times in a row, perfectly new trick. Felt super confident. We didn't have the padded ramps that we have now, and I went and tried on the real ramp. Overcompensated my rotation because I was afraid of under rotating. So I ironically over rotated and got sent to my side and whiplash hit my head. It required an MRI. Now, the backstory to that for a year prior, I've been going to the urgent care emergency room multiple times of uh, debilitating headaches and migraines, throwing up, vision loss, wow. and like all these classic symptoms of a brain tumor. But because I was 20, 21 at the time, you know, I, yeah, I was 20, 21. Um, they're like, no, you're healthy, you're young, you just have headaches, it's normal. Here's some pain pills, go home, use these if need be, come back if you need more. Do they think it was um, like concussion or anything because of the sport? Did they, that ever they, come up? That actually never. Like, that would be a you know very valid question to ask. They never question it. They just yeah. were like, "Oh, your blood work checks out. You're fine. You're you know you're in shape. 
you just have headaches. It's normal. Everyone has headaches. No. You know, you don't need a scan. And I didn't know. So I was like, should yeah. I get an x-ray, an MRI, cat scan, something. Right. So then, you know, fast forward to that crash, I needed to get an MRI. I got knocked out. Um, they want to make sure there's no swelling or bleeding. And that's when they accidentally found a massive brain tumor on the left side of my brain. Wow. So if it wasn't for that crash, my surgeon said I would have had another month or two based on the size oh God. and the location and everything and what I was experiencing. So he was like, yeah, like you're so lucky you fell and hit your head that day. Because yeah. if you never fell, we would have never found it because I was being denied yeah. the scan. So it, like it literally saved my life. <laughs> it's so I, I bet with your current work around the, the health coaching side of it and your awareness of you know, what, what we eat and how we live our lives and, and what should and shouldn't be happening to us, uh, you know, at, at various points in our life, you probably look at that 20, 21 year old having these, I mean, to have a headache to the point that it's making you throw up from the pain to have vision issues at that age when people are like, Oh, people just get headaches. Just, you know, take a couple of these. And it's like, and I'm sure it wasn't just like Tylenol or aspirin. It's like prescribed heavy stuff. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> like yep. this is not normal. You know, like if uh, if a kid just starts like wailing on another kid and just beating them to a pulp, it's like, oh, boys will be boys. No, there's like a certain level where you can't just kind of like, oh, it just happens. But that that is the way that a lot of things are treated. And it shouldn't yeah. take, uh, you know, such a, an extreme accident um, off that ramp to have actually figured out that, no, this isn't normal at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's led me to one of my strongest beliefs that health is internal. I was a picture perfect, you know, uh, or a perfect picture of health on the outside. And that's the thing with like even getting into the ketogenic lifestyle that I, you know, promote and I live by. Um, it's, you know, my journey isn't a weight loss journey. Like yeah. it, it, everything was inside and it took that crash to look inside my brain. So that's also why I'm a big advocate of getting, you know, imaging done. If you, you know, you think you have an issue, but your doctor is not, um, you know, working with you, like I was paying for health insurance and I was asking for something I thought I needed. I wasn't, and we have this opioid epidemic that we talk about yet. They were feeding them to me like candy, but I didn't take them because they make me throw up. Um, actually the last time I went in before I hit my head, it was so severe. I took, uh, I took the Percocets they gave me on the ride home. Thankfully I wasn't driving because I projectile vomited in the car, had to pull over and was just started throwing up so violently that it was just like deep, dark red blood that came out. And then I literally thought I was dying at that point. Yeah. Um, and then like two weeks later I was okay. I was riding and then, you know, fell in my head. So it's just, yeah, health internal. That's what, one of my biggest messages I try to share. It's not about what you look like or what the numbers on the paper or the scale show. It's really what's going on inside. It's a hard sell, but I like, I, you know, doesn't mean it's not my true. journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if it makes you feel better, I have the exact same Percocet story, um, post-op for knee surgery. Uh, no. And, uh, yeah, I, I the only thing they had to say was, oh, we don't like our surgical patients to throw up. I'm like, yeah, neither do we. Yeah. It's right? <laughs> not, I didn't like it either, but, um, yeah, up, up until the rest of your story, but yeah, like, uh, they, they push the pills pretty hard and I, I, w I didn't want to take them and they pushed them anyway and kind of took advantage of me being loopy post-op. Um, and next thing I know, you know, driving home, like it's not enough to deal with, with the pain, then you're also throwing up. And, yeah. um, anyway, it's not my story. This is yours, but, yeah. it, but it does, it does make me think about, um, advocating for yourself and, yeah. and that's what you're talking about. And it's a really tricky thing when you're up against experts, you know, whether it's like professionally and you're going to the person who's like, you know, the God of whatever technical thing mm -hmm. you're talking about. Um, you know, like if you met your, your riding, um, 
you know, like you're uh, your hero growing up and you met them and you start talking about stuff and they just have a different way of, of going about some move and you guys disagree. It's like, wow, can I actually disagree with them? Yeah. You know, it's, a lot of people have that with doctors and feel yeah. uncomfortable challenging them. Um, and, and some doctors feel uncomfortable taking the challenge. Yeah, but exactly. Actually, it's your body in the end. It's not theirs. And yep. you, you have to like, you know, if, if health is internal, that means you own it. And so you do have to figure out how to have a voice in that context with with an expert who may not be right, because that happens. Not every expert is always right. Shockingly, that's OK. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that was definitely my perspective it was like, oh, they're this authority figure, like they know best, you know, um, and at the end of the day, no one knows best besides yourself, because they're not in your body experiencing what's normal, what's not normal for you. And so that's why I'm completely comfortable sharing like, hey, if your doctor's not willing to work with you, like if his, you know, or her ego's, you know, getting in the way, go find a new one, like yeah. you're paying for it, like they're not end all be all. And a lot of the doctors I look up to now and learn from, they're like, yeah, we're, we're scientists, like that science is never a hundred percent. Like we're always learning more yeah. and I may be, you know, apologizing and admitting I was wrong about something 10 years from now, but like, I'm okay with that because we're trying to do better. Yeah. And so when someone's like, no, it's definitely this, you don't need that. It's like, well, that should be an alarm for, okay, you're not willing to work with me. And yeah. that's what I get sucked into. Yeah. Cause if it's that, that means I'm wrong and I can't be wrong. Exactly. It's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> in the grand scheme of the history of, of certainly mankind, but, uh, medicine too like it wasn't so long ago that it was bloodletting and leeches for everything so like you know we may be wrong about a number of things today and that's okay but like you know if if you're not willing to have that attitude then bring me a leech and that'll solve you know whatever there's <laughs> a great snl skit from the 80s where like people uh kept going to the barber which was the doctor back then and, and the answer for everything was leeches and there's yeah. like a, a carriage accident and you know everyone's like bleeding out and they're like get the leeches it's like no they're already bleeding but, get the leeches yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway. All right. So, so you have the scan, find the tumor. And when you say save your life, that, that wasn't even like guessing, oh, you know, could something else have come up? You were, you were within weeks actually of it going too far. So that really was an incredibly close call. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll never forget what the, the urgent care doctor who who was the one that diagnosed me and he came in, he's like, Hey, no swelling, no bleeding. It's all good there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And right then my, like my heart sunk and I was like, what, what's in there? I didn't even think tumor. I didn't think cancer. Yeah. I didn't think benign or what, I didn't think any of that. I was like, what, what's in there? Like what could have happened? He's like, you know, it's a brain tumor. It's a fairly large brain tumor. And at this point we don't know if it's benign or cancerous. And then everything just shut down for me. The best way I can word it is in two different ways. One, I felt broken. And then mm -hmm. two, I felt like, you know, people talk about out of body experiences. Like I felt that, like I wasn't there, but I was, I, yeah. nothing was really happening. Everything was such a blur. And I just was in my head, just like, man, like that's it. I didn't, I didn't care if it was cancerous or not. I just heard brain tumor. And right. I was like, the end. I didn't know anything about it. Like you don't yeah. know about things until it happens to you and become aware all of a sudden. And so I thought I was done. But what was, what was cool is when I talked to my surgeon you know, he was, you know, Dr. Alan Freeman at Duke University, a little, little plug there, but uh, did a lot of research and he was like the top guy happened to be an hour and a half from me. I was yeah. living in Greenville, North Carolina at the time. And he was like, yeah, man, like you're so lucky because another month or two, you wouldn't have woken up. And what was going on was the tumor was like, I think uh, eight centimeters long by four wide and four deep. And it was wrapped around the artery in my brain and my optic nerve, which explained a lot of the vision problems mm -hmm. and, you know, the pain. And, uh, yeah, he was just like, man, like you definitely like, if you want a shot at living, it needs to come out now. Um, 
the, the doctor that diagnosed me at the urgent care office was saying, yeah, if you want to live, you need to have it taken out, but you'll probably never ride again. And walking is probably going to be a big obstacle. Like you're gonna have to relearn and this and that. And that's what really sent me you know, off the end of just like, what, what? Like, yeah, it's like either way. Shock. Yeah. So, so I, w- I wanted to ask you when you said I felt broken, did you mean like your damaged goods, like you yourself were, uh, you know, like you're going to be a warranty claim or you mean like in that moment, what you just heard broke you? Like, did you feel like you were not worthless, but like not, not good? Or do you just mean like emotionally, like that was a shattering moment? Or maybe Yeah, I, I think, I think the both of them, you know, like yeah. I felt fear, I felt, you know, worry, I felt um, clueless, I felt helpless. Uh, I didn't like, I didn't know what to do with my next steps with my things. How do I tell my friends, my family? Um, I thought I was dead. I went down the victim route. Why me? Am I a bad person? What did I do to deserve this? Like everything negative in a situation like that just hit me at once. And, um, I, I know, like, I remember, uh, walking through the nurses and the doctor trying to stop me. They were talking. I didn't, I didn't hear anything at that point. I just need to get out. I remember sitting in my car, just like in shock, just like, you know, then I started like just bawling my eyes out, try to call my mom, couldn't say anything for a couple minutes. She knew instantly. Uh, she kept asking me what's wrong. I finally could talk. And then, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's hard to explain that feeling that, and I don't wish anyone ever go through, but unless you experience something like that, so like damaging, like to, to your mind and your beliefs and your life, like, it's just the best way I can word it is just broken. Like, you know, just all these different things hitting me at once and I didn't know what to do with it. Is there anything in the way that that urgent care doctor told you it? Like when you, when you recount the story, it sounds kind of like blase or flippant, but like, I don't know if that's just how you're saying, or like, was there something to his bedside manner or his delivery that had he been different about it, you could have processed it differently or it's just, this is so profound. It just didn't even matter. So I think, I think it is so profound that it wouldn't have made a difference, but he wasn't like, you know, rude about it or just like, you know, he just, he literally like from what I remember, this is eight years ago now. So from what I remember, it was just, Hey Josh. Yeah. So we uh, got the MRI report back. There's no swelling. There's no bleeding, but there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And he paused for a second. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. And then he went on to say, you know, he was nice about it. But yeah. what what I think he could have worded differently is not have said anything about BMX and not said anything about the walking part. Just said, hey, this is very important. We need to take it out. Yeah. Otherwise, you may not, you know, you know, you may suffer longer and you may not wake up one day. Yeah. But he threw the BMX thing in there and then the walking part. And I was just like, well, that that all just hit me, you know, it was just one after another. And then when he said the BMX thing, you know, I'm 21, living my dream, hanging out friends with my mentors and heroes, watching them on TV as a child. And now it's about to be taken away from me. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, and that was your entire life. I mean, to be at that level, yeah. it's everything you do 24-7. Yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, literally living the dream. I just wrote X Games the year prior. And that's oh. like, I never imagined that would happen. That was a goal, you know, of yeah. course, you know, but I never thought that, that would happen. I remember getting the invite in my email and I was just like, wow. Like, so that was, um, was that June of 2009? And then, you know, just <laughs> going to that diagnosis, I was like, man, like, I guess that's it. Like I did what I could and now I'm just, I'm out. And Wow. Um, all right. So what, <laughs> it's like, well, where do we go from here? Where, where did you go from there? So you, yeah. <laughs> you, you end up at Duke. Yes. They get you in uh, for surgery quick. Cause you, you don't have like, we'll schedule for surgery at the next available appointment. Like you don't have the yeah. next available appointment. This has got to happen now. 
So, so this was pretty insane. I didn't think that this was like a thing. Like, I mean, it makes sense. But um, so Dr. Friedman, he was like, all right, yeah, like this needs to happen like ASAP. So like, we'll get you in next week. And he moved a couple patients out of his schedule to get me in. That's how severe it was. Uh-huh. And he was like, yeah, like it needs to come out now. And I, I don't remember the act. I'd have to look at the paperwork from back then. Like this was again, 2010, yeah. but I don't remember like the exact time frame. It just, it was in like a week or so that he got quick. me in. He had to move people out. Um, because after that urgent care, uh, diagnosis, I went to the neurologist in that town, um, to check him out. And, you know, then he was like, yeah, you need surgery. And so then I looked surgeons up, found Dr. Friedman, but yeah, it was really quick. It, it went by really quick. Yeah. Wow. So you have the surgery and then everything's not over at that point, even though the surgery went well, like you, cause you, you're riding again a few weeks later, right? Like you, you get back on the bike. So you, your career moves on. You think you're out of the woods. Yeah, uh, it was a six-hour surgery. Uh, wow. Due to those complications, it was supposed to be a little bit sooner uh, or quicker. But yeah, it came out no pain for the first. Granted, I was on you know a lot of drugs, sure. but even after that, just no pain anymore. And I woke up, I could see, I could move. So all the things I had to sign off on wrist yeah. didn't happen, and I was alive. That's amazing. Uh, and I was riding five weeks later. It only takes four weeks for the skull to fuse back together. I did not know that. I thought I was out for a year at best with the recovery. But yeah, I didn't even four- think of that. You get a broken head. Yeah, literally, they they literally cut my skull open. And um, I remember before the surgery, I'm a super curious person. So I was looking up brain surgery videos on YouTube. And I'm sure that was a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to know. And um, I watched that scene in one of the Saw movies where he's cutting his head open. And I just was like, man, I just need to like, I needed to know what was going on. And then I came across the surgery where the patient was awake. Yeah, and it's a very common thing, and I was like, "Man, I'm I'm gonna be awake," and that that messed me up. And then I found out I wasn't going to uh, be Good. awake, but yeah, uh, but yeah, no, the recovery was amazing. I was back on my bike five weeks later. I was competing an additional seven or eight weeks after that. Got eighth place, my first contest back out in England, and then just next two years was just you know slowly getting the motions back. It was a lot of mindset, a lot of yeah. uh, spinning and flipping was super weird for me. That took a long time to uh, get comfortable with. But then after that, it was just like confidence in what I'm doing, tricks, and like, can I still do this? And so that took a minute. But how did you how did you deal with that piece of it? Oh, man, I I don't I can't put myself back in those shoes. It was it was so long ago. But I I do remember all I was focused on was getting back to where I was and then improving. So it just it wasn't focusing on what I'm limited by or what's you know you know this fear piece. It was really like this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do to do what I want to do. So let's do it. And yeah. just kept focusing on that. And I've, you know, now that I've learned a lot along the way, I've looked back and I was like, I was just basically like visualizing the life that I already created and was doing and then wanted to get back to where I was on top of some. So yeah. I just kept taking action. So you, I mean, you definitely, you had some tools. You weren't just like, come on, man, get over it, move forward. Like you, you may not have realized that you were using, but like visualization, is a specific tool that people use to deal with that, like see yourself in that successful state, you know, making it as real as possible and and get comfortable with that to put down naturally put down the fears and the doubt and all that. So you were, you were doing things to try to overcome it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I had my mom and her story of battling colon cancer for about 10 years and then her being, you know, healthy and happy. And then what really helped me too was reading Lance Armstrong's story. And like, this is another guy going through, you know, he had brain, lung and testicular cancer, but he got back on his bike and 
I just was like, all right, you know, this guy did it. And I don't like to say things are better or worse for anyone because I think everyone has their own experience. But in my eyes at that time, I was like, man, this guy is going through or went through a lot more than I'm going through right now. And he got back up and rode and I don't think he won until after his surgeries. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Certainly so, not uh, not the number of wins, and I know there's yeah. whole other discussion about that, but yeah, he, he so, had most of his wins post cancer. Exactly, yeah. and so that that really fueled me. All the fear, especially I started reading his story before my surgery, so all that fear and victim mentality switched over to fuel for the life I did want, rather than what I didn't want to happen. And I've talked to a lot of different doctors now since, and they're like, yeah. The mindset makes like a world of a difference of the outcome. So I just kept using that fuel and then watching videos of my myself my self at contests or videos that we edited and things like that. And I was like, just kept thinking about it. I was like, and this is the life I want. Like I'm not yeah. done yet. Yeah, I so I I think that's something people should be focusing in on is, um, you know, it's not just a, a dark day. Like you went through something incredibly serious. And you were told, no, this will never happen again. You, you'll never be able to ride again. You'll be lucky if you can see or walk or whatever. And you used, you used that mindset, you used that visualization to pull yourself forward. And, and you did get back to an amazing place and, and did continue on with your career, despite the naysayers, internal or external. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's one of the really crucial things. Because obviously, your story is really extreme. Um, most people will not have a story like that, but that doesn't mean that they can't bring what what you were able to learn into their own lives. Oh yeah, no, of course. It's just a choice. And I was uh and that's another part of the, you know, piece of the puzzle that I like to share is like for me, that had to happen. That clearly it had to happen for me to change my perspective and my ways of life and my priorities. But I don't believe that everyone has to go through something as catastrophic as I did to learn. It's just a matter of choices. Mm. And that's like one of the biggest things I believe is like our reality is just a manifestation of the choices we make. So if we choose to see the bad, we're going to see more of it. We're going to attract more of it. And then we're not going to, we're going to be limited by what we do because we're going to feel paralyzed. But if we look at, you know, and Jim Carrey, like he has one of the best quotes about it. He's like, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you, but it's a choice to see it that way. It's so hard, but I was forced to not have an option. Like if I wanted to live, I had to have the surgery. So that led to fear going out the window and just like thinking about, okay, let's get over this. Like, what are we going to do after and so I think it's just a choice that everyone has that it's just a matter of how you look at your life and the obstacles that come at you. There's no good or bad in my mind. There's no failures. It's just an opportunity to learn and grow and yeah. figure out what's not working and what is working. I wonder if there's something in the the way that you had to move to action as quickly as you did and the optionality of it either actually or at least perceivedly was gone. Like, nope, we, we're going to move forward. We got to do this. We got to do this now. No time to stop and think. If that that kind of set you up for in a good way for um, continued forward movement, because mm-hmm. the early on definition of how this is going to be handled is action versus if it was like, oh, you know, we're we can't fit you in for three, three months or six months or whatever. And, you know, you're not at, at any extreme danger right now. So that gives you more time to sit with it, to ruminate, to not act, to feel helpless. Like, I wonder if, if moving to action actually helped support you moving forward overall. Yeah, no, 100%. Actually, no one's ever brought that up before. That's a really, I mean, this is an eight-year story now I've been telling, and no one has ever mentioned that, and I've never even thought of that. Like, I mean, I'm a big believer in taking action, but had it been prolonged longer, that gives you so much time. This, I mean, we see this in in all of our lives. Like, the longer we have to think about something before we take that action, like, take that move, 
think like the mind just starts racing. So yeah. I would, I can't imagine what would have gone on. Well, think um, about like the you videos said, you, you would have watched online. Oh like, man. All, all the extra ones. <laughs> I would have scared myself yeah. out of it. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, um, I mean, and people that are familiar with Gary Vee or, you know, yeah. follow him, like he's all about just taking action, like just do. And I, you know, um, another doctor, Joe Dispenza, have you heard yep. of him? Yeah, for sure. So he's about the same thing. Like if you're stuck in this route of autopilot and you don't make a change, even something as simple as taking a left out of your driveway rather than a right, you know, if you're not taking action, you're not going to see the, you know, change happen and it could be for what you want or you don't want. But yeah, if it, if it had gone on longer than like that week or two before they got me in, I couldn't imagine what would have changed. Yeah. That's re that's really interesting. Well, I'm glad that I asked you something that no one else has asked you yet. That's always, uh, I, appreciate that. I, I like when that happens. Um, but it is, it is an interesting one to me because you hear that in a lot of um, in a lot of approaches in therapy. It's like have an action plan. You know, when you get in, in a an emotional spiral, a place of fear is like you even may need to write it down so you can just turn to that mm -hmm. and be like, OK, this is what I need to do. This is how I'm going to make myself OK. Um, sometimes, you know, in, in even more extreme situations, jumping to action, even if it's not necessarily exactly what you need to do exactly then. And, and in your case, like it did have to be the right call. And yeah. it did have to be at the right time. Um, but in in lesser situations, we get into a little bit of analysis paralysis where it's like, well, but what if I do that and it's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, someone close to me was was having a lot of pain in their leg. And it was like, well, you know, I've flown in the past couple of weeks. Maybe it's a blood clot. And I'm like, well, you know, you also ran and you haven't run in months. And so it's probably just delayed onset muscle soreness mm -hmm. so you should be foam rolling it's like but if it's a blood clot and i do the foam rolling then i'll have a you know it'll it'll go to my brain and i'll have a stroke i'm like that's true but like actually if you, you know you're just you're spending too much time and worrying to and like the facts line up pretty clearly that it's not a blood clot yeah. you just you know like but and if it was a blood clot the running probably would have sent the clot to your brain also not just yeah. the smr but anyway um yeah, there's something about action. And and when we don't take it, uh, we get stuck and we start to ruminate and we go back through all the, the terrible scenarios, which actually just locks us in place even more because all of the potential forks in the road look dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Each one of them has some, you know, some peril at the end of it if you choose the wrong path. Yeah, and I think that's like one of the lessons that BMX has taught me. It's like, you know, because you see that with tricks, like if you're thinking about a trick for so long and you don't try it, the more you start, you know, sitting there on the deck, thinking about it, thinking about it, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Or when you do go to try it, you do, you know, you end up turning left uh, more than flipping, for example, on a certain trick. And then you well, look do at, what you shouldn't have done. Look at the one that you got hurt on. And granted, like, it's a good thing you got hurt. But yeah. <laughs> it's because you were worried about what under rotating. And so you over rotated. I wasn't focusing on what I wanted to happen. Yeah. I was focusing on what I didn't want to happen. And that translates to every aspect of life. And that's yeah. that's one of like the things about BMX that I, I like I try to share more about. But like I don't think people give action sports athletes enough credit for what they do and the, like the life lessons you learn. Because from a young age, depending on when you get into it, but you learn how to set goals and accomplish them and you know, the compound effect of that. And then you learn how to get up and try again, but not look at things as failures. Like, and I've, I've said this before, like in, in my, you know, one year of BMX and you pick any year, the amount of times I fail in a day, a week, a month, or that year is, is so much more than I think people are willing to in a lifetime. But yeah. because we don't look at it that way, we like, all right, we tried that trick didn't work. Let's try it again. 
we problem solve, then we you know succeed. And that feeling is what I think drives a lot of us to continue. It's not what, you know, because we can get hurt, of course, but we yeah. don't think about that. We just want that that feeling of gratification for putting the work in and getting it done. But that sets you up for life. And I've looked up to uh, other pro riders that are now, you know, been retired for a while, moved on to other things. And with my like whole identity crisis transition, you know, issue, they said the same thing. They're like, if you were to able, if you were able to make it to any level in BMX, um, action sports show, but these are BMX riders. If you were to make it any level in BMX, you can do anything in your life that you want to outside of BMX because all the time, dedication, and failures, and getting up and trying again, that it took, like you could just translate that to something else. It's just a matter of finding what that is. So your resilience muscle is unmatched in the world like that. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think people don't get that is the number of times you fail, you know, in, in anything in the run up to that competition is probably out. It's probably going to outnumber the number of times you succeed. Cause that's how you train and grow and get better is you yeah. keep pushing the limits and you keep screwing it up until you get it right. Um, that's got to make you resilient. Cause if you're not, you wouldn't still be doing it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's not like when we fail, it's like, Oh, they laughed at me. I didn't make the team or I got fired or I didn't get that date or whatever it was. Like I failed that test. It's like you fall from 10 to 15 feet in the air to the ground yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it hurts. Yeah. And you know, there's something about that that conditions your mind and pain to just, I don't know, like look at other things in life just like so differently. And yeah. of course, I mean, things happen and we get you know afraid or we get judged and we feel these emotions, but I think that conditioning just helps uh, assess it differently. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, we got to get back to your story. So you have the one tumor, it comes out, you get to riding again, go to England a few weeks later, competing, like you're, you're, you're back on it. Where do we go from here? And what, when is this? It's like 2011. So- um, so April 2010 was a surgery. Yeah. July, end of July 2010 was the contest, the first contest back. And then now moving forward to November of 2012, so two and a half years later, another you know routine MRI scan showed two new masses had grown back on the same side of the brain, one in the front, one in the rear. And again, the doctor or the surgeon said it was due to the complications of the tumor wrapped around the artery, the optic nerve. And I'm in India when I get this news. Did and you, we're did doing you have demos. any symptoms or this is just like, no. you got to get checked because this happened. So they're no, regularly no symptoms at all. all right. Yeah. It was just, it was, um, so after the surgery it was two, six month interval MRIs yeah. and then I moved into a year and then the next year was going to be the last year. It was going to move into two year increments. And then that's when they found it or found them. And so, you know, they're like, there's no, there's no use of the risk of surgery because the same complication is going to be there. We can't risk hitting either of them because you'll become paralyzed. You'll have a stroke, you'll bleed out, you'll die right away. Like all these things. So the surgeon suggested radiation and I was like, man, my mom went through that. Like, that's not good. Like, let, yeah. let's see what we else we can find. And then, uh, went to Google and found gamma knife radio treatment, which at first I was like, well, you said not to have surgery. This is got a knife. And then, you know, I learned later on that basically it's an outpatient procedure that's non-invasive. It's yeah. 180 degrees of radio waves that they can target the location to treat with a computer. And I actually went to Tufts Medical Center, Boston, and had that treatment done. Yeah, my cousin uh, years ago was the CEO of the company that made the Gamma Knife. Uh, this is before oh. this is before you were you were getting treated with it. This was a long time ago, but um, but I just remember when it was first coming out. I was like, that's pretty amazing, and the that promise awesome. of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, the results were amazing. Like. Like I don't remember the exact the exact numbers, but it was just like 
virtually everyone that came out either saw um, the tumors shrink or they just became stabilized and lived their lives. And for me, it shrunk for four years. Uh, the two of them shrunk and now they become stable. But um, I've actually been working with a, a company called Electa that um, deals with a lot of the Gamma Knife stuff. And I, um, I've been doing a lot of just storytelling and sharing and things like that. Just to, it's like, it's such a, a, a tool that there's so much value with it that when I asked my surgeon, I was like, Oh yeah, it's okay. Cool. Do that. And I was like, why didn't you tell me that at the beginning? Like, but there's not enough awareness around that. So it's like, you know, medical imaging, I think is super important. It saved my life. Yeah. But then Gamma Knife, had I had got the scan when I originally asked for one in 2009, I possibly could have had Gamma Knife. We don't know because we don't know what the size of it was. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, it's another thing I like promoting. It's just because it's, it's such a useful tool for, you know, especially not, um, um, tumors that can't be removed via surgery. Right. It creates options where there weren't any before or, or options that are actually like have some attractiveness to them versus (laughs) like, yeah, you know, you have an option, we can do this, but you're going to be paralyzed, blind, and you probably won't survive more than like, okay, yes, that's an option. That's not a great one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Um, so your 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 original tumor is now two smaller ones. Yep. It's being controlled with gamma knife, but you don't just have two tumors today. So there's more to the story. Yeah. So actually, before I get to that part, I after coming out of gamma knife, I filmed a video to let people know spe- specifically in BMX I wasn't going anywhere. I was fine, and I had a checklist of all these tricks I wanted to do that I knew were possible that I hadn't done some that people hadn't done in general. And I uh, got it all done, filmed the video, you know, put it out. It was the, the number one viewed video on all the BMX websites that year. Wow. And then I had all this hype going into the 2013 contest series uh, season when the first contest was at, you know, I got a little excited and I, you know, the best way I can explain it is I was jumping out of a ramp over a back railing into another section of the park and my weight shifted. So I put my right foot out to, to, you know, offset it. It caught the transition of the ramp that I was landing in, twisted, it went behind me. I sat on it and blew out my knee. And so wow. I was like, all right, cool. But, you know, fast forwarding, I rode on it for two years without getting an MRI or surgery, just with a brace, didn't want to deal with it. Are and you serious? Yeah. And then when I finally, in 2015, when I finally did get the MRI, because I tweaked it again before that MRI, the doctor showed me the MRI. He's like, so this is your ACL. It should be like a thick white rope. Mine was a spider web. It was yeah, like, I'm sure. Shredded, right? On top of meniscus was torn, osteophytes, bone bruise, and six other things. But that's ultimately what led me to meeting my girlfriend. She was my athletic trainer through that whole process. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so you, it was, you have uh, all these uh, these like life saving or great things that come out of just horrible, horrible, like you know, hitting your head the way that you did, destroying yeah. your knee, and interesting. All right, yeah. <laughs> you so, get you uh, got to find a way to have good stuff coming from not such terrible actions. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I just got to work on my manifestation routes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it was sweet. Yeah. And I, her name is Jackie. Jackie and I went through a lot of research together back and forth. I was sharing a lot of nutrition with her and she was like, you need to have this done. I was like, man, like contest season's coming up soon. I know this is like a six month, eight month recovery. And then long story short, you know, she was like, you need to have it done. And I get to the point where I agreed. I was like, if I can get it done before Thanksgiving this year, 2015, I'll go through with it. Set a day for November 10th and was stoked. Um, moving forward, I was riding just shy of four months later and I came out of surgery actually with half the swelling in my knee that most people do. And I didn't know at the time, but I was following a ketogenic diet. I'd already been eating high fat, low carb from uh, Dr. David Perlmutter, mm-hmm. a book I read in 2013. And I just been, you know, super passionate about it for the brain health. 
But then I knew before surgery, inflammation was a thing. So I was yeah. like, two months, I was cutting out everything I possibly could that in my mind created inflammation. And then um, came out, no swelling, didn't need pain pills, which one of my friends that went through the surgery multiple times was like, dude, you're going to need it when that nerve block wears off. Yeah, ACL is tough. You didn't so just have, you had more than just your ACL repaired. You got, uh, I'm assuming yeah. they, they took care of the 78 other things that were wrong yeah. in there. The injury report was 10 things, including God. the ACL and torn meniscus. So oh. they got it all cleaned out. And surprisingly, I was on crutches, but putting weight on it that yeah. day. I was back at the park that evening watching the dudes ride and saying what's wow. up. I was a little loopy, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so that that was that. And then moving forward, 2016 series, I missed the first contest of the World Series got third at the, the second stop in Croatia, ended out 10th overall in the world. That was a phenomenal way. That was the last contest I rode was uh, October uh, 28th in China. And I got 10th place overall. And so I was I was just so stoked. And bearing in and mind, then, you still have brain tumors while you're doing this. It's not just recovery from the knee. So yes, at the time I was aware of the two. Yeah. Didn't know that I had two others on the opposite side of my brain. And so October was the contest season ended, China you know, had a great, great year, better than I could have imagined. And then February, 2017 went in for another routine check and, uh, they found the two additional tumors on the other side of my brain. So totaling four, the other two were, you know, stable, they're all good. But then I got these other two and they said that they think it's a genetic, you know, disorder that creates spinal cord and brain, yeah. uh, geoma tumors. Yeah, my cousins nine. have it. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, you're pretty familiar. So um, the only way to know is a biopsy. And I was like, that requires surgery. That requires all these drugs. Like, I don't need that. Like, yeah. you know, I put two and two together and that's when I actually became really passionate about the ketogenic diet because I've learned about the epigenetic effects it has, you know, with signaling different genes on and off the detox abilities, the inflama inflammatory abilities, the hormonal regulation, all yeah. these things. So I was like, let's do this. And then, you know, a year we'll get a check. And if I need to have gamma knife, cool, but surgery, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then that year later, follow-up showed no progression of the tumors. And this December will be a two-year follow-up. So um, I've become really passionate about the exogenous ketones and then, you know, mindfulness and developing these different routines and getting into meditation and all these things. And I'm really confident that it'll be, you know, a good, good uh, report. And if not, I mean, I got, I got tools to utilize, but yeah. So today, Action. yeah. Yeah. Back Actually, to, yeah you, exactly. you know the actions yeah it just led me to uh, taking more of it now i become passionate about it i've shared it one of my clients he's actually from plymouth uh he's 23 he went with daily multiple focal seizures that were drug resistant and had wow. surgeries nothing helped and then you know fast forward a couple months and he goes every two or three weeks maybe has one and it's not as severe and it's all because he changed his diet yeah. and the doctors he just went for a checkup and they're like yeah like they're, they don't know anything about it. And they, they're just like, Oh, I would, no, no, be careful with that. It's, it's hard to sustain. And he's like, dude, I love it. It's easy. He travels a bunch. I can't stand but, comments like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not keto. I'm vegan. Okay. But like you hear it with any kind of non, I don't even want to say traditional because the way Americans eat, that's not really traditional. Yeah. It's manufactured and recent, but like mainstream diet, like you see, especially with gluten-free, like, oh, people who eat gluten-free, like they put on tons of weight. And it's like, well, because the stuff that you're quoting about eating, it's all like gluten-free cookies and cakes exactly. and muffins. And like, if you eat non-gluten-free cakes and cookies and muffins for three meals a day, you will also put on weight. It's like, just exactly. <laughs> set aside the little extreme example. I haven't had any issues being on the road and I've traveled extensively for the past four years that I've been vegan. You're on the road plenty in your career over the years that you've been keto. Somehow you're still standing and you're still yeah. in a winning competition. Like, 
I, I can't stand those kind of arguments. They just they come from ignorance, I think, and uh, fear. Yeah, a little fear bit of fear. a challenge yeah. for their lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 unfortunate, but there's plenty of doctors out there that are just you know open minded and doing the research and sharing it because ultimately they want their patients to not be on medication, to yeah. not have surgeries, to be healthy and happy. And so, um, just one of the the soldiers out there just trying to for sure. you know share the information and see you know who it can benefit. And it seems like keto, there's a really strong correlation between keto and benefits for the brain. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It seems you know like I'm I'm biased maybe, but I feel like vegans have the the heart health thing down. Like we own that space, you can't touch us. But when it comes to discussions about behavioral issues, brain health, you know, and anything that we're now talking about, the brain and, and the spinal cord, even. Um, the number of you know documentaries out there and everything about the benefits of the keto diet it, it's pretty staggering and it does have me wonder um you and you can be both you can be vegan mm -hmm. and keto it can oh, be yeah, tricky can be but keto. Yeah. yeah of course um yeah, there's, there's ways to approach it i mean exogenous sure. ketones allow that you know even people that aren't vegan or aren't whatever like they they eat maybe even some sweet potato or something yeah. that would technically kick them out of ketosis to a degree they can supplement with exogenous ketones and still keep them in that state. And then they can add in intermittent fasting, which yeah. there's lots of things with that. But when we talk about the brain, my perspective of what brought me to the ketogenic diet and learning about the brain effects was all the trauma I've had in my brain with concussions and surgery mm. was the fact that any kind of trauma to the brain can lead to glucose impairment, meaning the brain, the, the mitochondria in the brain don't know how to utilize the glucose effectively or efficiently or at all. But ketones can bypass the blood-brain barrier and provide an alternative fuel source to, um, you know, damaged brains. And they're seeing that with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's yeah. and stuff like that. And it's just really profound. And like, I don't, I know why, but I also don't understand why that's not, you know, being more, um, you know, looked into or utilized for people with damaged brains. And it's just that's having really these conversations it helps with that. But yeah. yeah, you should check out um, by Dr. Ryan Lowry, the Ketogenic Bible, because they talk about anything and everything to do with the brain, uh, the body, ketogenic diet, exogenous ketone supplements, how to formulate it, this and that. It's a, it's for anyone that's ever heard of it or hasn't heard of it. It's a, it's a great read. All right. Um, you've already given me one book that I'm still waiting yeah, for, for a tour. I, I made the mistake of buying it used on Amazon. So it's like the, the delivery, I just checked the delivery date. It's like a one month span when it may randomly uh, arrive at my house, <laughs> but I keep being like, it should have been here by now, but, um, all right. So the ketogenic Bible by Dr. Ryan Lowry. Yes. All right. Um, I didn't understand that about, I gotta say about the mitochondria and why, um, ketones versus glucose. And for people who don't know, the mitochondria is basically like the power plants in your cells. Um, it's what converts in, in some cases, glucose into, uh, into energy to power your cells, to ultimately power your body um, one cell at a time. Each one has their own. And you can make more mitochondria yep. through exercise and, and uh, treating your body right. But, um, oh, that's really interesting. I was going to ask if you, um, you've ever looked into JJ Virgin. Um, she's, she's big in like the, the wellness space. She's always on Mind Body yeah. Green. One of her sons was hit by a car, um, yep. suffered brain damage. And there's a documentary about it, but she... Um, I don't think she talks about a ketogenic diet specifically, but one of the key things that she does with him, like she does definitely like, you know, dietary changes and, and all that. But when she's told like, oh, he'll never recover, he'll never be the same. He's going to be, you know, operating at a very reduced capacity and mental capability. Um, and for sure, he has issues today. You know, his speech is slower. Mm -hmm. Things take more time and all that. But he's living. Um, 
he, you know, he gets around, he thinks, he talks, he like he interacts. Maybe he's a a couple of years delayed, but he's back on on the the track. And uh, the one of the key things she did was heavy, heavy doses of fish oil. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's a good kind of fat that directly benefits the brain and. You know, you hear like after the accident, he had a lot of rage issues and he would get, he, he had them beforehand too, actually. That's why mm-hmm. he got in the car accident. He blew up and he went out of the house, started walking down the street. Oh, I didn't know that part. Car. Yeah. Right. Um, but the accident, you know, it exacerbated all that because you, you, you had all this frustration because you can't, you know, it's, it's like a toddler. You can't speak what you're thinking and those two things get disconnected and you just get so hot in your brain, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting how she defied, you know, what the doctors were telling her and you can't do this and it won't work. And, um, she did it anyway, cause she knows a little thing about it and, yeah. um, and the benefits are very real. So I was thinking it was more about the fat content than it is necessarily about the way that the energy is processing in the cells. So that's really interesting what you're saying about the mitochondria. All right. Yeah, now I got to sure. add another book from you. Okay. I'll add this to the library. Uh, sorry. I, no, I, no, it's good. It's funny. Cause I, I had the same issue and I have a, a stack of books and then I, of course I have like an Amazon list of books and people found out I like to read. So they're like, Oh, I gotta read this book. And I can't say no. So I'm like, I'll add it to the list and I'll get it to it someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. But yeah. I, I would check out Buddha's brain first. It's on its way. And I will. And, and my wife, I was telling her about it and, um, she was like, oh, I just figured you've read that already. Like, no, I guess I should have, but. Uh, and my girlfriend actually recommended it, and I, I read hers, so it's a, yeah, it's a great book. Cool. All right, well, it's on its way, and I am going to crack it open as soon as I get it, so there's, awesome. there's no getting around that. Um, all right, so I will, I will list that and Buddha's Brain, because that's actually how you and I hooked up in the first place, is uh, I had posted a quote on Instagram from Buddha, and you were like, I assume you, you know, a great quote. I assume that you've read Buddha's brain. And I was like, dope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quoting the guy and there's like, I, I should have, but I'm going well, to. I mean, it, like I mentioned too, it's a really interesting book because, um, and have you seen the docu-series Broken Brain? No. So uh, I, I think it's like, it's Mark Hyman's project, but he's okay. got like, JJ versions in it as well. But um, cause they're talking about um, fish oil and CBD oil for yep. the brain specifically, but it's an eight part docu-series that has all the leading experts and functional medicine doctors and everything about the brain. Um, but I would definitely check that out. But the guys who wrote the book, Buddha's Brain, I can't think of his name right now. They're in it as well. Oh, cool. And they really, what they did was they took of all the religions to kind of correlate to science and how they kind of interact they buddhism was like the only one they could find that had um this like neutral aspect of how they could apply the scientific you know because they, they're really just trying to look at the brain the science yeah. behind it so they're you know it's 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 um you know it's got everything about meditation and everything there too but it's really interesting is like how the mind really works in the different parts of the brain that trigger all these thoughts and then how you can change them so yeah it's a, it's, it's a pretty deep book i mean like i said i'm gonna read it again and probably a couple more times but Cool. I really enjoyed it. You'll you'll love it. And for anyone who's uh, uncomfortable with the idea of delving into Buddhism, and you know, if you have very strong religious views and you feel like you know this is going against that, I the way I talk about Buddhism to people is look at it as philosophy. You don't have to accept you don't have to accept Buddhism as a religion. You don't have to think Buddha is your god, or I mean, it's not even talked about that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to do any of that to listen to the lessons in it and the mentality in it. And like, it's just, once you read it, it's very common sense. 
and it's beautiful and it makes a lot of sense in living your life that way. You don't have to yeah. give up Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever. It's not necessary. It doesn't have to be your, your religion. And actually yeah. Buddhism itself will say that, you know, the Dalai Lama has said that is you don't have to be Buddhist to appreciate these views and to take them in. We, we welcome every religion. People should believe everything that they want. You know, it's, it's a very open, accepting um, way of being. I, like, I, I don't want to use the word religion, even though, yes, it can also be your religion. Mm-hmm. But um, from a philosophical standpoint, it's just sheer brilliance. It's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I feel like we're, we're hitting on all of the controversial things that mainstream doesn't <laughs> like. So we said functional medicine, keto diet. I mentioned veganism. <laughs> yeah, Buddhism. Got religion in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, action sports. Yep. You know. Um, so so this is where you're at today. You're not you're not on the pro circuit anymore. No. You have a very different mission in life, and uh, I, I want to make sure we hear like what is it you're trying to achieve with that um, before before we run out of time. So what what are you focusing on right now to try to make this impact? So ultimately, my goal is to inspire change and perspective with other people to see their life in a more positive outlook, but ultimately to prioritize the health of the brain. And so I use my story to share how that went for me, not prioritizing my brain's health. Mm. Uh, But then I also want to be able to empower people to make those changes in their life for whatever aspect of their life it may be. And, you know, so by sharing different parts of my story, I have people from football, people from corporate America, people, whatever, like saying something I said resonated with them that they made change. It it doesn't even have to be on nutrition. It could be something, you know, I share a lot. I think I feel feel like I share a lot more mindset pieces Mm -hmm. that I never thought that I'd be doing that than I do nutrition, but it's just, I just share what I share. Um, So with that being said, the things that I left BMX for in a sense, competition at least is, um, you know, health coaching. I want to be able to have an impact on people. I want to be able to make a living by doing something I fully believe in and I'm passionate about. Um, You know, now I'm getting into speaking. I'm actually leaving next week to go give a talk at a uh, university of Florida class um, on leadership. Um, and I have a couple that are lined up over the next few months. So that's something that I never imagined I would do. My dad says I'm crazy because, you know, it's just a, a lot of people it's scary to do. And so I have no problem sharing with people. Um, my fear the, with that. The public speaking side of it or because yeah. you can't make a living be, trying to be a speaker, which because when you say your dad, it's like, you know, dads are like you have to earn your keep and you have to be able to support yeah. yourself. Is it that or is it like, oh, my God, how do you get in front of people and speak? Oh, his, his mindset is just like the fear of speaking in front right, of people right. because, I mean, he's been telling me from day one, make sure you have a backup plan we're cool you know we're stoked on this and it wasn't until like four or five years ago he, he was like man i know you'll figure it out either way i'm proud of you cool. just keep doing what you're doing so uh it's mostly yeah definitely just about getting in front of people and talking right. but um ultimately i just i feel like that's just a good way to be able to you know get in front of people and i don't want to just inspire people i want to inspire them to change something take action you know um so that's that's that piece and then um you know a big dream of mine is uh, working with the adult the recovery fund to create what we're calling the bringing BMX stunt shows. And it's just my way of taking 12 plus years of experience with doing, you know, BMX demos and creating a wellness BMX event out of it to where we're raising funds for brain tumor patients, brain injury patients, brain cancer patients with direct funding for them. Um, just through, you know, an educational, fun, entertaining uh, day, um, make that into a tour. So who's that yeah, with? Your Skype got a little Skypey with the audio there for a second. Who is it with? Uh, the Athlete Recovery Fund. Athlete They're recovery a fund, nonprofit five one C three that they've been around since two thousand seven. Um, after a, a legendary pro rider broke his neck, um, he's still alive and well today, but paralyzed from the uh, neck down. 
but um, they they really got together to help support him, and then they moved into supporting anyone with action sports uh, professionals, whether they had healthcare or not, um, support them with their needs. So when I got diagnosed in 2010, they flew my parents out, they put them up in a hotel, my oh. my brother as well. Um, they helped pay for whatever my you know medical insurance didn't pay for, and so you know the third diagnosis, they found out, they gave me a call, they're like, hey man, like you got any ideas? And I was like, man, like. I'm not even mad this time. I'm not even like sad. I'm just like, how do I use this? Like, how yeah. do I better myself and then other people? So yeah, I just, you know, I took a step from a uh, step away from BMX competition to, you know, do the coaching, the speaking and, um, the, you know, the nonprofit tour and I'd like to write a book in the near future. I got some, uh, um, I, I got tons of things I've written. I just got to figure out how to get it all dialed into a format and then how I don't yeah figure out where it goes from there. <laughs> well, and, um, the number of books that you're, telling other people to get it's time that yours is in that pile as well right yeah that'd be awesome um wow that's super cool and ketobrain.com is that your site um no my site's just joshperrybmx.com okay uh ketobrains.com is just a uh, online uh course that i created just because so many people you know ask me for help and as much as i want to sit there and i do uh dm people back and write them stories i just now i'm like the more I do that, the more it comes in and the more time I don't have to do yeah, it. So I'm just sure. like, you know, I've created a, uh, you know, an online 12 week course that, you know, people can learn everything I do and then get supplemental, you know, uh, support from it. But you know, the one-on-one health coaching is cool, but it doesn't affect as many people. So yeah. doing that and then the, uh, the corporate workshops is the next step that I'm going to be moving into to you know be able to affect more people. But yeah. Joshperrybmx.com. That's uh, my website. And then dailybrainstorms.com is a blog I've been contributing to for a few years. Um, that's my blog, but, um, I don't really, I don't know, like today I post like four things on it, but I usually try to do at least one a day. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of, it, it takes a lot actually to keep that going. So good for you. Yeah. Thanks. I just, I try to use Instagram as the main, the main hub and I just, you know, you get maxed out at a certain point. So then I just kind of copy and paste it over to my blog and then just maybe elaborate on it more or just keep it where it is and just ultimately just redistribute, you know, the, the content in different places and, you know, hopefully find someone that needs it. And if I can affect one life, then that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, Josh. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that, uh, that you piped up in response to my quote and that, um, I was telling you before we, we, uh, started officially recording, um, anytime anyone with a blue check, like says anything <laughs> like I get all giddy. Um, so but awesome. you, like you came right back, like you, we had a little conversation going there and I, I just like, uh, I was, I was geeking out, fanning out a little bit there for a minute. Um, but I just, I got it really quickly. Like you're an awesome guy. I love what you're trying to do with your situation. Cause um, I'm reminded, like I mentioned, I had interviewed Dick Vitale and he's like, you know, anytime things are down, like you have two choices when you get knocked down, you can roll over and, and stay there or you can get up and move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and he said it, you know, a lot more energetically and better than I just did, but that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the message. And, um, that's how he was wired since childhood. Like his parents, you know, definitely supported that kind of mentality because they, you know, they had nothing and they pushed really hard and kept kept making yep. something. And that's what he learned. It's like, look, you're in the same boat. Like, yeah, you had your moment of, of being crushed. Like that's totally normal. That's pretty um, intense stuff to hear when, I mean, you weren't prepared for that whatsoever. Like, I don't know no. that anyone ever is, but it's like, you know, if you were 70 and having those symptoms and stuff, you, you know, maybe it would be in your mind that like, what if this is cancer? But like you said, I mean, no one thought 
that was that was possibly what was going on. So how do you brace for that kind of news? And uh, to move forward the way that you've moved forward, the actions you've taken, the way that, like you said, your third diagnosis, you weren't upset. That's just, I think for anyone who is in that place of hurt, it's okay. It's understandable. But you help show people what's possible, even with hurt that, you know, normally takes people down in a pretty tremendous way. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty blown away with you and just glad that I got the chance to, to share your story here. So thank you for being so open about everything. It's awesome. Yeah, of course. And I mean, thank you so much for the love and support. It means a lot to me. And then, you know, you mentioned like Instagram, like I, I do the best I can to respond to each and every single person that leaves a comment or a DM. And because when I was 16, back on the MySpace days, I messaged one of my favorite writers at the time, uh, beyond Dave Mira. Dave Mira, of course, was my favorite writer, but um, his name was Danny Hakerson. And I remember he responded and was like, yeah, man, you ever come out in Texas? Let's ride. Whoa. And I was like, what? No yeah. way. Like I've been watching DVDs of him and you know videos online and um, was so stoked. So I've always just made a point, you know, that's just who I am. Like, I get frustrated when like I don't respond to people like I just I want to and then yeah. having those conversations you know with other people like yourself it's just I want to I want to network with other people that are doing awesome things and then just share the love and help other people in the process so um, and the blue check marks new this is like a month ago it happened I just came out of nowhere I was stoked <laughs> no I still would have cared either way I don't want to sound like I'm I'm superficial with that but no it blew me away it's like yeah I mean what you're saying for 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 you to make time for me that that has an impact. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Like it's almost upsetting when you can't because you, you get to hear like that um, giving your time to give that outreach matters. And you've seen it yourself firsthand on the recipient side. And um, I've gotten it from you on the recipient side myself. It gets all, all exciting. So that's pretty sweet. Well, it's cool, man. As I'm, I'm equally as excited to talk to, you know, yourself, but like anyone, you know, like anyone that wants to have a conversation, it's just, it's cool. It doesn't matter who they are, what they do. It's just like, you know, connecting with someone that's like interested in like your passions and your interests and your mindset. Like it's just really cool. So, um, yeah, no, thank you, man. I, I'm, I'm stoked. Good stuff. Um, now possibly the most important thing you've been asked so far in this interview, are you ready to help me close it out? Yes. Do you, do you remember the line? I do. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, are you ready to help me close it out? And do you remember the line have become part of the closing? Like I've asked this exact <laughs> question. I need a new way of checking in first. Um, all right. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you get so much. Josh. Oh, get it done. Oh, making it your own. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I don't know if I messed that up. But no, it it's perfect. Good. It's perfect. Perfect. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, no, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks. Don't you just love that guy? He's awesome. Like what a great demeanor and style and person so so thankful to have gotten connected with josh i'm so glad he saw my post on instagram like for whatever reason however the stars align for him to see it and like he said he tries to write back to everybody and he did and uh and he said yes when i asked him to be on and that's all that matters and now i get to share him with you so i hope that you all feel the same way about josh that i do uh, you see the kind of person he is and the mission that he's on and his journey's not over. You know, this is something that he's going to deal with for the rest of his life, even if he never has another tumor. And let's hope that he doesn't. Let's hope the ones that he have go away. It's something he's going to be mindful of and have to keep an eye on. And if you listen to him, like he said, when he found out about the third one, um, he just has a different view on it. Like he was almost thankful. He certainly wasn't bothered by it anymore. And I mean, think about that for a minute. How much purpose do you have to feel in your life? 
to not be bothered when you get a diagnosis that you have another brain tumor. Like, think about that. Uh, when the chips are down and you're feeling like everything's going against you, just put yourself in Josh's shoes for a second and think about how is he able to do that. And it's about mindset and it's about the tools at his disposal and the path that he's on. So I hope you take some inspiration from that into your life. If not, you can certainly see more about what he's doing and get even more inspiration from him at dailybrainstorms.com, ketobrains.com. Do that course to learn more about the keto diet and how to use it to impact your brain health in the way that Josh has done that for himself. And of course, check out everything Josh Perry at joshperrybmx.com. Um, but watch that space. Josh has got a lot brewing. He and I have been talking quite a bit uh, outside of this interview. And um, oh, there's there's some really cool stuff coming from that guy. So keep your eyes on him. He I'm, I'm going to make the prediction right now. He's one to watch. There's going to be some big, inspirational, impactful things in Josh's future. And you're lucky you get in it at the early stages and get to get all of that inspiration from him. And if you're looking for more inspiration, as always, check out brianfelchuk.com. You can see my latest articles. You can get links to do a day and pick up the book. Uh, you can see all the stuff I've got going on, podcasts I'm on, speaking engagements I'm doing. Maybe I'm coming to your area. If you think that you know of something in your area that would benefit from having me there, uh, give me a shout or you know talk to the people who run that thing that you think I'd fit for. Tell them about me. That's how I've actually gotten a number of engagements is people listening to this show have mentioned me to maybe another podcast host or an event planner who puts on some, you know, something that I go and speak at, or maybe it's a bookstore or other venue that has me come in and do a book signing or a talk. Share the word. If you think this is inspirational, get that word out. And you can always find out more about it at brianfalchuk.com slash speak if you want to see the speaking stuff specifically. But I would love to connect with you and anybody else who's interested in looking within and finding their true inspiration. So with that, I will remind everyone that today is a new day. You have to go out and do it, just like Josh does every day, despite whatever odds are against him. And he does it with the right attitude, which to me is such a clear sign that we all can too. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.